listeners. Welcome to The Haunting of Good Society, a Behold Her Studio production. While we're between Behold Her podcast episodes, we're following the tragic tale of the Cluett sisters, siblings estranged over a dark past and reunited over the wedding of their childhood friend and the mysterious Count Simon. But something is amiss. Will the sisters, former child detectives, put aside their differences to take on one last case? Find out in this four-part Good Society RPG miniseries brought to you by Story Brewers Roleplaying and Friday Afternoon Tea. Let's meet our cast. My name is TK Johnson, and I'm the chaperone who guides the Cluett sisters through a dark romantic journey. Find me on Twitter at TKJoinsTheFray or as part of the disastrously unfunny Indoor Recess Crew. My name is Lisa Penrose, and I play Henrietta Cluett, the eldest sister with a dark secret inside. Find me on Twitter, Twitch, and Instagram at Lisa Penrose. My name is Eugenio Vargas, aka DM Jazzy Hands, and I play Harriet Cluett, the middle sister and member of the clergy. Find me on Twitter and Twitch at DM Jazzy Hands. My name is Friday Elliott, and I play Edwina Cluett, the youngest of the Cluett sisters, with a scandalous reputation and dark and twisted aims. Find me on Twitter and Instagram at FridayTea, and on Twitch at FridayAfternoonTea. Brace yourself. It begins. Hello, everyone. All right. So, like we said the last time that we were all together... I think that some mysteries were beginning to unravel. I think you all three went your separate ways and eventually came back home, at least by late day, as one is wont to do. Edwina, you had just come home from Black Academy. Harriet, you had found your way back after departing from Father Cyrus's side in the catacombs. And Hetty, you came back from checking in on Moira. Last we left off, uh, Hetty and Harriet had 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 exchanged a few words, and Harriet had kind of looked deep into Hetty's eyes. We were talking about all the things that we found, and uh, you were telling me about Moira, and we got the documents and all that. And I'm stalling because I don't remember how I phrased it, and I want to do it exactly like I did last week, but I can't. I can't remember exactly what I said. But I I looked into into my twin sister's eyes. God, what did I ask you? I think was it the, were the exact words something along the lines of "Do you know what might be going on?" Yeah, it was. I was trying to to ask you about something that we'd talked about, but we had already had the discussion, and you had already. The important thing is that we'd already had the discussion. You had already answered the question that we were both confused about it, and then I took a moment to look at you again and say, "Do you know?" And Henrietta's voice changed. She said, nothing good can come of this house. How long have you known? Some time. You're not as subtle as perhaps you think. Well, it's a lot of hard work. You could have let a lady know. <laughs> I must admit, I don't know everything. And seems only fair, since we are finally talking face to face, I suppose that I have known long enough that I have made preparations for you. Preparations? My sister knows what I've been up to these past years. Do you? I 
Well, I'm not going anywhere. That remains to be seen. Well, if you want to save your your little friend, Moira, then you should keep me around. Do you hear that? Is the other one, Eddie? She back? Does she know too? Everybody she does just not. knows. And okay. it's better that way. I agree. I kind of straighten up the, the little rose and the note that I left for Edwina. Hattie sort of straightens up and outstretches a hand and says, A detente. Our interests align. And for now, we find ourselves on the same side. For now. Shake your hand. Edwina, are you finally home? Someone sent a, a package for you, this flower. Edwina is stumbling on in at this moment after allegedly going out shopping because her sister's cooking isn't up to snuff. <laughs> well, that's fair. <laughs> Swan into the room. Oh, a flower for me? As to be expected when I've been out for a whole day. She yes, picks up and um, looks at the flower and the note, sees it's a, a dismissive friend zone note from uh, Enoch. It's from that um, Eric Skeffingville or something. I don't, I don't remember his name. It began with an E. I believe it's Enoch. And why should I care? I'm going to go spend some time in my room. Before you do, oh. where have you been, sister? I believe I said I was out doing a bit of shopping and procuring some proper breakfast. And I believe that I asked where you have been, not where you said you were going. Do I strike you as the sort who would tell an untruth about my whereabouts, sister? (laughs) We're suspicious for a member of the church. (laughs) All right sit with my sisters. Fine. I might have things to share with you as well. If we're all going to work together, I suppose, I might have some information that can help us figure out what's going on in our neighborhood. Good. And it seems like there's quite a number of things going on. Exhibit A, and I push forward my flask, which has crystallized, and I imagine is heavy, like the has the liquid inside frozen solid. Not so much frozen solid, so much as it's almost like salt crystals. Oh. And there are these, it's a, it's a sort of red powdery crystals. I am going to take a little dish and open up the flask and pour a little bit so folks can see the liquid inside and that red powder. This was in the water. You'll notice there's uh, a rose-like aroma, but I don't know what this substance is. They seem to be feeding it to Moira, but maybe a little bit closer to home even. And I'll take from my sleeve the letter that I took from the Kradok estate. Open it. This was in his library. You've not lost your touch, Hetty. Well, it was hidden for sure, but, you know, those are once you've found one secret compartment, you can basically find them all. Why would Count Simon Kradok have the deed to our parents' estate. We knew that the family was... Well, you know better than anyone, Hetty, that the family is in unfortunate straits financially, but I, mother and father would have informed us if it had gotten so bad as to sell off the estate. 
it does make me worry about the fact that we still have no sign of them. It does seem out of character that they wouldn't say something. And it does seem strange that we still haven't heard from them, not even a note, not a letter. I did pay a visit to the school to speak with Madame Black. You might as well know. And she did inform me that she hasn't seen our family and neither has anyone else for quite some time. Father seemed to have simply just vanished. Did she say how long quite some time is? I mean, is it days? Is it weeks? Is it months? I. When was the last time any of us received a letter from them? Over a year for me. Right, I'm the only one that regularly corresponds, and for me even, it has been some time. Do you think... I know I've only laid out two pieces of evidence, but I kind of moved them around, almost as if I'm creating a chart on the table. It all comes back to this Count Simon. And what do we really know of Count Simon? More than you might think, but not enough yet. And I will tell you both about what Lucian told me, that that something soups creepy is going on, and that Moira, according to Lucian, is in danger. Lucian is not in good shape, is transforming into something decidedly unholy. Do you describe in detail what Lucian looked like? I do, and I think... Well, you two respond however it is that you respond, but I think while I'm remembering it, it becomes a sort of very rote description. Like, you can tell that I have sort of disassociated from the experience of it. Is it as uh, academically described as when you were writing your mother superior? I think it is. I think that's how Hattie deals with the things that she sees in her line of work, is to be academic and detached about them. Do you think Moira is becoming one of these things? Do you think Carolyn did? And the other wife, whatever her name was. Do we know much about Carolyn's death, TK? About the, not necessarily the the cause, but about the events surrounding it. You know, was there a proper burial service? Was there, you know, did, was there anything unusual about sort of the, the formalities of it? I think that this is something that you could probably ask Father Cyrus as to whether she was like consecrated or she was Catholic and buried, had a Catholic mm-hmm. burial, etc. Mm-hmm. People have pointedly avoided talking about Carolyn's death and only mentioned Carolyn in comparison to Moira. They almost don't talk about the first wife, Lena, at all. Mm-hmm. So I will say that of the group of you using your analytical sort of detective minds that you are able to sort of ascertain that every time you've pretty much heard about Carolyn, with the exception of Hetty's insistence on her, it has been in relation to Moira. It's possible many of the same things that you described as afflicting Moira, the sensitivity to sunlight, the fatigue, that is in line with what I saw for Lucian. It's possible that Lucian is just at a more advanced stage of the transformation, whatever it is. To think that I left her. At the time, there was nothing you could do. Sensitivity to sunlight, an odd skin condition, fear of silver, bite wounds you mentioned. Hattie's going to grab her, grab her Bible and look in the front half of the Bible and just start flipping through while you're saying all of this, Hetty. And Hetty will start even like listing things on like a little scrap piece of paper. Do these mean anything to you? 
Edwina, I know it's been a while since you were young and reading those horrifying stories. You were always so bold. But is this even something from a story? Well, keep in mind, sister, I have been residing with a gothic poet for three years. So my uh, consumption of horror literature has not decreased. I believe I'm among the better read on the subject. But to be honest, it sounds part like old vampire stories. It sounds part like wolfman stories. There's, there's bits and pieces of different kinds of creature stories here. And, and of course, that's fiction. Perhaps not so much fiction as you think, sister. And I turn the Bible around and I show you, I have it open to the first gospel, to the book of Matthew. And I point to a few verses and say, there are theologians, oh, a thousand years ago, there were theologians that theorized that Judas Iscariot himself was the first vampire, that his betrayal of the Christ uh, was so angered God that he was restored to life after his suicide and made to walk the earth. The silver, the aversion to silver comes from the pieces of silver that he was paid. The aversion to sunlight is that all that is good and godly is, is anathema to Iscariot. It's possible that the stories are based in truth. And if that's the case, well, sisters, we have perhaps more on our side than we anticipated. But you're right, Edwina, there is more to it. There were signs that don't follow any of the Iscariot legends or the vampiric legends. Hypothetically, sister, when you say we have more on our side than we might think, are you implying that you have resources for uh, tools or, or weaponry or some kind of church-type knowledge to, uh, to assist us in a, in a fight against these kinds of creatures? Yes, sister. We have the power and the love of Christ on our side. But not... I'm so sorry. Yes, of course. Or... <laughs> we can call upon the Hebrew God, the archangels, and upon the Christ to uh, attempt to assist us in our fight, though there are many legends, uh, many sources that we could go to for power over these creatures. Is there any... Undoing what's been done to them? Or can we simply hope to put their souls at rest? A sword or poison or something? I would have to research, and it feels like we are short on time. I sadly must say that in my time within the church, dealing with the lesser known corridors of the Holy See, I have never heard of one returning from such an affliction. But that doesn't mean that it's impossible. There is returning, though, and going on, even after death. And I kind of look at Harriet pointedly. I feel that uh, in my bones, these bones. And if there's one way to avoid death, then... There might be something for these people, maybe even something to avenge Carolyn. Life everlasting is not quite what many believe it to be, but you are right, sister. Thank Sisters, you. are we speaking of returning from the dead? Is this, 
this a, a ghost discussion? We should decide what our next course of action will be. Lucian asked me to return to the catacombs to help him tonight. He was unable to flee that unholy place because of the daylight, but he said there were others. How do you know this isn't a plot of some sort? I don't, but studying one of the afflicted may be our best course for determining if there is a a cure, a reversal. Mm. I have no love for those catacombs and no true desire to go back, but if we have no other path ahead of us to solve this mystery, then I suppose we must. But if you have other avenues to explore, by all means, I do not relish the thought of returning. I do think it is wise to observe one of these creatures, and I admit, I believe you, of course, Harriet, but I'm curious to see one with my own eyes. I wonder, though, again, this all leads back to this mysterious count. I wonder if we will need to confront him, uh, cut off the head of the beast, so to speak. A sword. Eddie, a sword can't can't solve everything. But a finely sharpened rapier in the hand of a man who will do anything for you is an extremely valuable weapon. Sometimes literal weapons are just as good as metaphorical weapons. I hate to admit that you're right, but it probably would serve us to have a weapon of some sort. Is there a blacksmith in town, TK? Someone who does specialty weaponry. There are farriers in town, but for special... Farriers being uh, people who shoe horses and work with iron. In order to get specialty weaponry made for you, you'd probably have to go to a much bigger town. But I suspect there is at least one or two people that you can go to to acquire weaponry that are at least within your circle, the circle of all three of you. Can I use a resolve token to have a family heirloom weapon? What kind of weapon would you like? I'm so torn between making it a rapier and not making it a rapier. <laughs> I think yeah. I think since I, Eugenio, am using the resolve token and not Hattie, uh, it can be yeah. a rapier. <laughs> yeah, or or at least a small sword. Right, something something that was always sort of ornamental for us, but maybe yeah, actually, yeah, absolutely, you know. yeah. I you can use your resolve token for the three of you to to like turn your gaze to the adorned rapier that settles upon your mantelpiece and behind it, the sort of cluet sort of family crest is like on a a little tapestry just above the the fireplace. I use a resolve token to make there be two of them. (laughs) (laughs) Like crossed, you know, and I don't think that's a common design. Why not? I don't think that's absurd. Yeah. Why not? Two of them, please. (laughs) I don't see why not. I would love to go up to the room that Harriet and I used to share and pull out from underneath Hetty's bed a little chest that has all of our, like, detective gear in it. So we have all, like, the basic stuff we might need, like, magnifying glasses and, I don't know, tiny matching hats and... <laughs> you can the make back them into in- business montage. Yeah. Oh my gosh, you can make them into like little um fascinators with like a little <gasps> Oh my <laughs> gosh, cute. Too cute. 
uh, tiny slingshots for <laughs> catching bad guys. <laughs> so cute. So Incredible. cute. What is in here besides your, I, I will say there are also newspaper articles mm. in there that you have collected from your, from your triumphs. Um, I just kind of look at them nostalgically for a moment. I used to think the girls were, were so clever when they found me. There is a case that is missing. And I think that you would know that your last case is not in the mm. briefcase. Strange. Can you believe this? Your parents, our parents, <laughs> kept all of these clippings and not... You're our, our parents. Our last case. Just one extra letter. In that house. I forget if I mentioned to Eddie or or Hattie even. The house. The Craddock Estate. It's the house. It's the house. The house at the end of Claret Street. Neglected to mention. No. That does uh, make this more interesting, doesn't it? I mean, frankly, I'm just surprised anybody bought that house. Well, considering who took ownership of it, I suppose it's not as surprising. I have a feeling we'll be returning. With swords. And hopefully a better outcome. Yes. What are your plans now? I'm trying to think if there's anything else we need to do to prepare. Bless the swords and things like that, but I'm sort of out of ideas for more information. Places to go for more info, you know what I mean? Well, we have some time before we need to go down to the catacombs, right? We were <laughs> waiting for some reason um, until evening when we were told to return by Lucian. So there's a bit of time. I think Edwina is going to go ahead and pay a visit for the second time in one day to dear Lord Francis Pratt. Yeah, absolutely. I think that there is a place that you two have agreed on ahead of time to meet, to at least spend a few minutes a night should one of you need the other mm -hmm. and if the other one is not in need of it that's fine they won't mm -hmm. be there so you perhaps you go at eight o'clock and he goes at nine o'clock and that way you're never necessarily seen together if you don't need to be so perhaps you go a little bit earlier and mm -hmm. perhaps he does as well where would you meet him the cemetery dramatic <laughs> Or we can be, you know, ostensibly visiting a relation's grave. For what it's worth, I think Lord Francis hates that that's where we meet. <laughs> Absolutely. And I think Edwina loves that he hates well, that that's where we yeah, meet. Yeah, <laughs> I think that's 100% the case. I will say, on your way to the cemetery, you do pass by what used to be a general store. When you passed by it in the carriage on your way to the church, it was boarded up. But now as you pass by and the sun is starting to get sort of low in the sky, though we're not quite towards sunset, you see movers have begun to move furniture into it. Is there any uh, change in the signage at the general store? Yes, the sign is gone and the furniture looks residential. Who would live in a general store? Someone poor, probably. I'm just saying. <laughs> Meanwhile, I'm sitting here be like, it would be so convenient. I don't know. 
I concur. Edwina does not have an internet. Oh, fair. Yes. <laughs> fair, fair. Ew. <laughs> Interesting, just, but mm, probably just not. Just imagining, like, funny. Then they go down into the general store and they're kind of like, hmm, will I have cheese with breakfast today? Should I put money in the till for this? Or <laughs> So that that is what you see on your way to the cemetery, which because it is a cemetery and not a graveyard, it is attached to the church. Yes. That would make it hallowed ground. Mm-hmm. Let's get scandalous. Great. Excellent. So we're approaching the cemetery, the hallowed ground. Yeah. Where? What row do you meet, Lucy? Oh, gosh. How many are there? It's a it's a relatively small town. Yeah, it's not a big town. Usually for the cemetery, it is reserved for members of the church and the affluent. Mm-hmm. Excellent. People who um, can pay their way into heaven, so to speak. Love it. Um, so if there are, assuming there are like three or four rows, right? <laughs> That's probably about right. Okay. And maybe is there a part of the um, architecture of the church itself that juts out just like a touch? So there's like a convenient little dark nook to slip sort of behind. Many churches in this area probably have a small prayer grounds or a reflection grounds for people who are in mourning that don't necessarily want to go to the grave itself. But there is a perhaps a statue of an angel with a small enclosed garden around it for people who want to pray but don't necessarily want to pray at the graves. That sounds good. Sure. A little a little grove with a creepy statue behind a church and some <laughs> graves. Absolutely. So lovely. Uh, Yeah. That is where you find Francis Pratt sort of waiting beneath the the open arms of this towering angelic statue. Lord Francis, you're early. That woman is a terror. Ah, Madam Black. I was locked in that chamber for an hour, Edwina. I had no idea. I I can't imagine what that must have been like for you, Lord Francis. How horrifying. Had I known, I would have, I would have done something, surely. Uh, well, I, it's, I mean, I obviously survived and was, and was fine. I didn't need assistance. I'm just saying that it seems that someone with as much uh, 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 influence as, as Madame Black should perhaps be more aware of her surroundings was my only point. I'm absolutely fine. Oh, you're such a brave man, Lord Pratt. Pillar of strength. But what brings you here to our meeting place early? Edwina, did we see a dead man speak today? Well... I, I didn't see much more than you did, Lord Pratt. I, I, I simply felt faint at the sight, but I believe so. It's my fear that Madame Black is, is up to occult arts behind her school. Lord Pratt is kind of a doofus, but I don't know that he's dumb. And also, I think he thinks more highly of Eddie than she is presenting right now. So I think he's just sort of staring at you and trying to figure out the game and obviously failing. <laughs> <laughs> the wide-eyed innocent approach isn't working on him. Huh? Only because it's not often, I think, Eddie's tactic with him. Or, no. or maybe he just never gives her a chance to have a tactic. I don't know. <laughs> All right. Well, then I think Eddie has a rapid and uh, sharp with manipulation and uh, human behavior as she is realizes that the wide-eyed innocent act isn't working for her as swiftly as she needs for it to, 
and is going to uh, shift tactics here. <laughs> it was most certainly a dead body, and we're most certainly against darker forces in this town. Now, I was not strong enough on my own to stand up to, to whatever dark arts she's up to back there. But knowing you were there with me made me feel as though I had, I had someone stronger on my side. There it is. There's the hook. There it is. Uh, yeah, just, I mean, you just watch him as you change tactics, sort of go from like clearly being put out by being locked in a room for an hour, just like one vertebrae at a time, just standing up straighter and straighter. And he says, um, well, if I'm to be honest, Miss Cluett, I think we both fortify each other. We make a good team, I think. Oh, we do. I agree, Lord Pratt. Now tell me, you were trained in the martial arts, am I correct? In the, in the military arts? You're, you're no slouch with a sword, is my understanding. I've heard you're the finest in our region. That is true. That is true. It, uh, it has been some time since I have had the, the need to uh, cut down a uh, disrespectful knave. But, um, but yes, I have tested my metal against many and, and bested most. Thrills me to hear you speak like this. <laughs> I knew that you had the spine to match your reputation. Now, Lord Pratt, it may be a bit forward of me, but I believe we can find room for you in our organization if, if only you could find it in your heart to help me with one more tiny act of bravery literally wipes a tiny little bit of drool away because of those. You thought it was the magic words before, but the organization <laughs> invite is everything. And he goes, absolutely. Just with like, you've barely finished talking. I'm so glad to hear. My sisters and I, as you know, we're without our parents and we have no protection. It's just the three of us now. No one knows what happened to our parents. I'd, I'd prefer if word not get around, but I think you're observant enough to know this. Since we've been in town, no one's seen them. And it would be of such good to us to have a strong man to protect us. We stumbled upon some evidence that leads us into the catacombs this evening. And we're just so anxious of what we might encounter there. And I believe it's tied into the dark arts that Madame Black displayed to us earlier. If you uh, uh, perhaps it's perhaps it's best, Edwina, if... if uh if I uh, don't get all of the details ahead of time. You know, uh, that sort of spur-of-the-moment thinking is where I excel. Absolutely, Lord Pratt. You know your metal better than I. I trust you to know exactly how to comport yourself for optimal bravery. I just thank you for being willing to come to the aid of three poor orphan girls. You are much more than that, Miss Cluett, and it would be my honor. Well, it would be my honor to send a note to my friends in our organization to consider you for an invitation to sweet. Miss Cluett, you have my sword. And you have my word of recommendation, Lord Pratt. I'll bid you adieu. And a voice from a grave says, and you have my axe. <laughs> <laughs> no voices from graves this time. <laughs> Though I will say that as they part ways, the ground beneath their feet is cold and quiet and soft. 
Anyway, let's go ahead and get into the reputation. Actually, before we jump into that, can I use a negative reputation tag of Edwina's? (gasps) Yes. Okay. So I would like to use unfortunate connections. And what I would (laughs) like for this to do is to just plant the seed for Lord Francis Pratt of why was Edwina even at that weird thing with Madame Black? Is there something about this organization that I don't know? Ah. Doubt. Incredible. Yes, I love that. Excellent. Does All anybody right. feel like they earned a positive or negative tag using the family backgrounds sheet? Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know if I did either. Didn't make a sacrifice or anything. Didn't really, wasn't really amid society to act in contravention to it. I don't think I earned any reputation tags that time. No, me either. I'm on the fence, actually. Um, I may have acted in obedience to society's conventions for the way I portray myself with my please big strong man. I'm just a a girl in a way that uh, was considerably difficult for me to do. Because I resent it. Yeah. Um, so that I I might give myself a reputation, a positive reputation token for that, but only if we if we agree that that's reasonable, considering that I was also at the same time being scandalous by meeting an unmarried yeah. man in the cemetery. <laughs> yeah. In secret. In secret, right? No one saw me. Po- what well. positive tag do you have in mind? I do have a novel as a suggestion on here, and I kind of like that. I had to get a little creative there. Uh, rich, ambitious, and novel. Rich, ambitious, and novel. I really like the idea of these reputation tags, and this is a really good example of like how I think they're super neat, which is that like you, Edwina, the face that you put on will give you a good reputation with society, despite the fact that everyone playing this game know that yeah. it was a face, right? Yeah. I think that's really interesting. Yeah. Yeah. And it certainly uh, is the kind of behavior that made Edwina, like, fully gag. So, <laughs> yeah. A yeah. positive tag, but would make Edwina gag. Right. Sure. Yeah. <laughs> I love that. Because, yeah, it's, it's positive to society, but barfy to Edwina. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I, I actually, I like that. Yeah. I feel like that helps me with my sitting on the fence. Like, ugh. So, yes, can I add that to my positive? Yeah, absolutely. And now you have... Three positive tags. So something special happens. So what was the one that we ended up with? Demure. I added demure. Is your character role, <laughs> yes. were you the meddler? Yes. yes. Okay. 100%. So character role sheet, the meddler, you get to pick uh, one of these reputation conditions, uh, one of the positive ones, because you have three positive tags. Mm-hmm. So there's protege, choose Ah, or create a connection to be your protege until you lose this condition. They desperately require you to solve every problem in their lives. Master of gossip, whenever you assure a character that a rumor on the public information sheet is true, they will believe you until they see strong evidence to the contrary. Oh, no. (laughs) Too much power. (laughs) Master of gossip, 100%. Whenever you assure a character that a rumor is on the public sheet is true. Okay, I have to. I always have to repeat things to myself to like really yeah. cement them. Okay, they will believe you. Excellent. He's gonna, Sweet. and it's not the he that you think. Oh no. Okay. Oh. I feel like this is a good transition to the rumors and scandals phase. Ooh-hoo. So the rumors we still have are that we were involved in the crimes we investigated. Count Simon murdered his former brides. Count Simon is a supernatural being. Hetty and Lockhart are scandalously close. 
whatever. And then fading, our Edwina has a patron of ill repute and Madame Black is a witch. So I think I actually, we started with Friday accidentally twice in a row. So I guess I'll start and then we'll ping pong to Friday and then back to me. Okay. I actually want to now spread the rumor with uh, Francis's doubts that Edwina also is a witch, question mark? And I'll make that. So Yanio. I would like to make one about our parents. And I think it is that our parents, Mr. and Mrs. Cluett, have abandoned their daughters. All right, Friday, what about you? Spread or create a rumor? I'm going to go ahead and spread the rumor that Hedy and Lockhart are scandalously close. (laughs) Oh my gosh. It's very important to me. Okay. Then you get another (laughs) turn right away. Excellent. I would like to spread the rumor that Count Simon murdered his former brides. And Harriet. I will spread that. Yeah, I'll spread that Edwina has a patron of ill repute. The devil. And then I think... Pretty ill repute, yeah. I don't want the Madam... I love this Madam Black is a witch. That's really fun. I think I'm going to spread that one. And that brings us to the epistolary phase. Who has a letter in mind? I do. Yeah, get us started. Okay, I'm going to be bad. Oh no. Oh my God. You need to stop <laughs> bullying your sisters. Uh, I will not. I won't. <laughs> That's literally my character. So. Okay, I'm going to use my new power. I'm going to use my new power for awful right now. Ha, um, a letter, a letter to, um, to uh, Lieutenant Levi Lockhart from Edwina Cluett. Good sir, it has come to my attention, and I do hate to be the bearer of gossip. But I believe that when my sister, your betrothed, paid a visit to Count Simon, word reached me that he may have made inappropriate advances. And as I'm sure you know, Count Simon is in a particularly inappropriate position to be making advances to unmarried women, especially those who are betrothed to respectable young men such as yourself. Now, I don't understand 100% the rules of gentlemen, being only a lady myself, but I believe your obligation may be to defend my sister's honor. If so, it would be my honor to present you with one of our family swords to do so. Stop giving everybody swords. I won't. (laughs) Clearly, Edwina Cluett. So bad. I asked for, I wanted a second one for a reason. (laughs) foolish me i figured it was for one of us i i was a fool men who adore you wielding swords for you You clearly you did i'm offering them up i am going to write a letter to madam black it is going to be packaged with my uh, flask with the weird crystallized liquid in it. And uh, the letter is just going to say, Madam Black, strange that we've not run into each other as of yet, considering you're one of the few I've kept in touch with in town. We both know you deal in more than manners and embroidery. 
what can you tell me about this strange potion? The matter is urgent. Please send a response as soon as you can. I think I will dash off another letter, Aunt Mary, to the Mother Superior. And it's quite quick and just says, um, Mother Superior, please forgive a second letter in as many days. Circumstances here are more dire than we originally believed. The spawn of Iscariot seem to indeed have a hold here, but there is something more. Perhaps the Hound of the Lord, perhaps the Spirits of the Departed, perhaps all of the above. My sisters and I will be moving forward to sanctify this town and all within it. There isn't time for you to send assistance, and so I ask only for your prayers and those of the rest of the sisters at the convent of the Weeping Rose. Yours in Christ, Sister Harriet Cluett. Okay. Anybody else before I send some wrap-up letters? Not I. Yes. A letter from Edwina once again to... Um, Don't do it. Enoch Skeffington. God <laughs> <laughs> Is that any way for a nun to talk? I'm no, telling, but I ain't no normal nun. I'm telling the baby Jesus... No, don't tell him. You're going to tattle to baby Jesus. Guess better at telling him than telling dad. <laughs> the father, whatever. It's all very confusing. A letter to Enoch Skeffington from Edwina Cluett. My dear Enoch, don't know why you continue to play games with me. Oh. You promised me with a look when we were younger. And now, a yellow rose? A note of friendship? You break my heart, and an Edwina with a broken heart is an Edwina to be feared. I beg you to reconsider, and consider the possible consequences of your actions. Yours forever and ever, Edwina. Oh my lord, you're so scary. He's ignoring me. I don't like it. I told him. I love this. Do you put your name on the outside of the letter? Yes. He's not responding to subtlety. Doesn't seem to be the specialty of many of the men in this town, if I'm honest. Yeah, there's a lot of incredibly strong women and a lot of incredibly oblivious men. Just like, guess I'll die. I mean. (laughs) All right. uh, Any other letters? We can request to receive letters, yeah? Yeah. Could I get a letter from Father Lightholder? I'm just curious sort of what his take on the situation is i will say father cyrus writes you a letter does include an additional thing but i will let lisa go ahead and tell you what the letter says all right oh i have been praying since we parted ways and some of those prayers have been answered we will be prepared when we return to the catacombs If more have succumbed to this strange disease, I fear for this town. I fear for Honeyfield. I will be waiting at this particular lamppost. 
at this particular time. The letter also says that he apologizes, but he cannot accompany you tonight. Yes, I'll, I'll be waiting under this lamppost just to wish you well. Uh, <laughs> good luck. <laughs> Hand off supplies. I love this uh, game. Bye, sucker. <laughs> Father Lightholder. <laughs> Oh, yes. I always did love Father like, Lightholder's letters. It's doubles night. They're it. having speed dating at the local tavern. I just can't. Got a hot pocket to eat. <laughs> <laughs> See if you uh, get a Thank third you. magic sword out of me. <laughs> Fred is just like, I will. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Hetty receives a letter back from Madam Black. It arrives... When you go to put a cap on the candle, you lift the cap back up and a letter pops out. Cool. And it plummets to the table and leaves like a tiny trail of silver ash. I'm going to brush the ash away with my hand casually. Mm -hmm. And then I kind of yank my hand back like it's stung. And then I'm going to carefully pick up the letter. Yeah. When you pick up the letter, more ash kind of falls out. And as it falls out, words fall onto the page. And it says, Eldest Cluet, you must think me an untrained head witch. This is merely rose water with a hint of blood, though no blood that I've ever seen. Just blood. Okay, cool. And I'm going to like roll my sleeves up over my hands and like push the rest of the silver ash away. So it doesn't touch my skin. Mm -hmm. She did return the flask. I'll bring that with us and I'll let Harriet and Edwina know rose water with blood. Uh, My contact says, is that significant? And I'll turn to Harriet or Edwina. Oh, I'm, I'm sorry. I will oh, actually, I will make an amendment to the letter because she would have said this. It has only appeared in crystallized form because the silver prevents it from flowing. Oh. I was like, that will never come up unless I put it in the letter and there's no reason she wouldn't have put it in the letter. <laughs> yeah, okay. <laughs> All right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Cool. I don't want to sort of overstep what we all together think Hattie might know about vampires. And I, and I do, I don't know if the whole like drinking the blood of your sire thing is part of the Christian version of the lore. I don't know. What do you all think? Cause I could certainly say something about it if we think that's a thing, but I'm not sure. I feel like it's definitely the Gothic. That's uh, every, yeah. 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 It's a very yeah, Gothic. True. I think that as the chaperone, you would be safe in sharing that information. Okay, okay, cool. So when you tell us, it's, it's uh, Hattie says, well, of course, everything about the spawn of Iscariot is a subversion of God's plan. And so procreation of the creatures is one of the ways that God's commandments and his laws uh, from Leviticus are subverted. The drinking of blood was expressly forbidden to the Hebrews, and that thus is the way that new vampires are created. It seems more and more likely that whatever changes have been made to this particular creature, there is a core 
of vampirism at their core, and Moira is becoming one. Carolyn could still be alive, then. Generous description of her state, if this is what occurred to her, but yes. I also realized we were in the letter writing phase, so I'm sorry, TK, if we interrupted. No, oh, I totally forgot about that. Yeah, I totally <laughs> no, this is, this is okay. Uh, you know, it's just, we're just chatting. There will also be another letter, and this one to Edwina. This one came to you with a hasty knock and a, um, a young man wearing a corporal's uniform. So a lesser, a lesser officer has run to your door and is like delivering this message and says, for you, Miss Cluett. And it only says Miss Cluett on the uh, envelope. So assuming this could be for any of the three of us, Edwina will 100% open it without hesitation. Says, Hetty, I was devastated to learn of your recent attack on your honor by Count Cradock. Please know that I will not allow this insult to go unanswered. I have thus contacted the brute, and we shall ready our pistols at sunset. Well, I don't know this is happening, so cool. Well, <laughs> I'm upset because I told him a sword. I told him a specific sword. <laughs> this ding-dong is going to go with guns. <sighs> Everything's fine. Just, you know, a word from, um, from dear poor, unfortunate cousin Vincent. <laughs> Prison isn't treating him well, you know, that's what you get for being involved in underground activities. We're ashamed to be associated with him, and we shan't speak of it further. Are you sure you're feeling all right? I simply need to take in some fresh air. It's nice to see you express care for somebody. I am a caring person, and I believe I grow every day in my, uh, (laughs) dear sister. Oh, I'm sorry. I thought, I'm sorry. And I walk into another room and laugh in that room instead. <laughs> and Duena walks out of the room. I'm gonna get your boyfriend so murdered. <laughs> I think, are we going to the catacombs tonight? Or are we going to a duel at sunset? Edwina's the only one who knows that the duel is happening. She's yeah, not saying true. anything. Uh-huh. Then oh, we're going to the catacombs. Bless his heart. Yeah. yeah. That said, news travels fast. There's only so many places in the small town for a duel. Um, so so like i guess as we're preparing to go to the catacombs or we're like walking through the town (laughs) did you hear something about i must have misheard lieutenant lockhart in a duel with count simon it makes no sense i can't imagine why those two might possibly be embroiled in a disagreement i haven't heard i do you think we should do something? This can't be related to me. Well, not everything is, dear. I'm not saying it's just that he's we're engaged. It, I had very little to do with it, uh, but it's true. I just don't. Should we? Is it polite to? Do I need to be there? Well, sister, I believe you're expected uh, by at the catacombs. Allow me to go in your stead to just. It, investigate the situation, and I'll follow right behind the catacombs and inform you if there's anything you need to worry about. That's true. I mean, it is true that if there's any chance Carolyn is alive... You I, must I, find I, out. Yes. Okay. Well, said Lieutenant Lockhart, my best, and I don't know, I take out, like, a handkerchief. 
give him this? A favor, absolutely. I'm sure it won't be needed. I'm yeah. sure it's a little gossip. We're early 1800s, so duels are still pretty accepted, but they're also highly attended. <laughs> so it's not weird to go see a duel. Knowing that, I think that's a great point. And knowing that, Hattie will say to Eddie, Edwina, I don't believe I've ever said these words to you before, but um, if you could capture attention, if there is in fact a duel, I think perhaps if the rumors are true, and if Count Pradek attends, perhaps we will find what we need at the catacombs and may be able to go to the house at the end of the lane while it is vacant. We would have to be quick, but if you can buy us time, dear sister, as I know you can. Sister, you know I provide diversion wherever I go. And I ask that you never tell me how. Bosom zhuzh. <laughs> <laughs> he never came to collect the sword from me. Nope. Where are the swords? I was So you gave one to Pratt already? No, I was intending to meet him at the catacombs with it. So <laughs> I was just going to carry two swords with me. Okay. That was my oh. plan. Just give boys swords when I run into them. Jeez, oh, darn. So what, what is your plan now with the swords? Well, now, now I'm thinking I didn't really think this through very well. Man. Uh, <laughs> weird when stuff just backfires for no reason. Give <laughs> <laughs> dumb boys silver swords to fight undead creatures. That's all I wanted. So I, th- I think I'm just carrying the swords with me. Like, is that a sword under your skirt? Sister, I thought if we're going down to who knows what, there are many of us and many of them, and we have two swords that have been enrobed in silver. We have the evidence that silver disrupts whatever something, something that we've got before us. Well, we should have one if we're going down into the catacombs. You take one, and sister... I beg of you, for your own safety and the ongoing kinship of our, of our trio of sisters, please, if you do happen upon a young, able-bodied man, will you let him wield it for you? Uh, for me? I just silently take the sword from you. <laughs> you know what this game could really use? Insight checks. <laughs> I thought you were gonna say combat mechanics. <laughs> no, no, no. Like, I'm making you out. think about both. <laughs> it's like 100 percent yeah. inside checks. Edwina, yeah. you have never been this nice to me, even when we were kids. So I no. don't know what you're up to, but just give me that sword, <laughs> sister. So long as you rely on your own self-preservation, and I see you on the other side of this, take the sword. What an incredible time. Okay. <laughs> let me let me set up this upcoming chapter. So Edwina has heard that the duel will be happening outside of the grounds of the cemetery. Basically, this means that it doesn't happen on hallowed ground, but should somebody actually die, it'll be over with quickly. It doesn't happen in front of the church. The church entrance is faced away from the duel, so it happens behind the church, off of hallowed ground, so that uh, they do not offend the eyes of God with murder. So a great group has begun to gather out there, and they've begun to set out their their evening picnic blankets and all manner of things to to observe this, this duel that is supposed to be happening. While 
Hetty and Hattie have walked to the end of the road where a lamp post is hanging and you can see the sort of shadowy form of Father Cyrus Lightholder, who I will be commandeering so that Lisa does not have to speak to herself. <laughs> we keep doing that. Yeah, basically Hattie and Hetty have, have come down and there is beginning to form a, a sort of light drizzle as the so- sun is beginning to swim in the water in the sea that is beyond the reaches of Honeyfield. It's painting the sky with these great swaths of crimson. Father Cyrus, peace be with you. And also with you. Thank you for your prayers, and you mentioned more. Of course. This is the standard caliber, and he opens a silver flintlock case for you with a round of um, shot. He says, standard caliber, you know the hits. For your sister, I'm afraid I don't have... I have this sword. Have you held a sword before, my child? I'm holding one now. He goes ahead and he um, grants you like a, a small flask. And he says, not entirely like your own. Be sure to use the water sparingly. I cannot accompany you on this hunt as usual. I am no longer, I am no longer God's hand. That is your purview. And yet you have done much to help us. And Hattie takes the gun, checks the chamber, flips the, you know, flips it closed and puts it somewhere in her (laughs) habit looking dress and says, um, Father Cyrus, we've known each other a long, long time. And you have always looked out for me and mine. Go. He hands you a a lantern with reflected glass along the backside of it. And he says, burn these sheaves of silver when you need them. It will light your way and uh, also clear it if necessary. And there are about five sheaves of silver in there. Just these like sort of sort of a flash paper Mm -hmm. feel to them. You have done more than I could have asked. Try not to wake any of them. I would rather not see any of them, but I don't know that either of those things will be possible. Pray for us, Father Cyrus. I'll meet you at Claret Lane. Peace be with you. And also with you. And he shakes your hand very firmly, inclines his head to Hetty. And, like, peers at you just for a moment. Sort of nods and then goes on his way. You're really handy with that thing. Is this, is this what you get up to? The word of the Lord is a powerful weapon. But sometimes it's not quite enough. If I'd known that's what it was like, I might have stayed with the nuns. <laughs> oh, sister. It would have been a bit much for you. Well, let's see how we handle tonight, then. How do you take your sister through the winding entrances of the catacombs? You hit all of the specific iterations, tilt a statue's hand, and sort of press into an obelisk to reach the catacombs from a different angle. 
you have wandered beneath the streets of Honeyfield for about 30 minutes before you can kind of hear a dry rattle like leaves against stone. Which of you has the lantern? I feel like you probably need both your hands available uh-huh. to you. That's exactly so, what I was going to say. Yeah. <laughs> so I have the lantern on me and the water kind of tucked under my arm. So you have that lantern secured at your... We'll say that with your detective clothing and stuff, perhaps you had some sort of um, 1800s utility belt. <laughs> And you've got that lantern nice and secure on there, a flask and a little holder. And I assume you were holding the rapier or? Um, yes. Okay. Yeah. And the, the group of you can hear the sort of like the screechy scratch of long claws on stone. And this sort of hiss at the end of the tunnel. Uh, sister. Lucian is... Is that you? Just beyond the halo of silver light, you can sense some sort of movement. Sister. Mm. Hetty, be ready with the silver. Point it this way. Steady now. And I will slowly approach that voice. Your shoes echo endlessly upon the stone and this dirt that's packed hard at your feet. Sister. And when you reach the edges of this halo of silver light, You peer beyond it, you peer past it, past this veil of darkness, and Lucian's form is not what you see. Instead, you see the narrow shoulders and long neck of a beautiful woman with blonde hair that descends past the back of her knees. She tilts her head over her shoulder at you, and her hands are clasped around the neck. She has throttled the life out of Lucian. You can see his head dangling uselessly from her hand, and she turns around and smiles at you, and her smile is red, and it is wide. Now, sister... I lunge forward with the pointy end. You lunge forward with the pointy end. The lantern swings erratically and it bounces off of the walls, off of the ceilings, off of that hard packed floor and onto the face of your daughter. (gasps) Oh, I stop. Edwina, the duel (gasps) has begun to get underway. And you can see Levi Lockhart pacing restlessly and there is a a company of young soldiers that are all standing there all waiting to watch him triumph over the man who dared to accost his fiance and you wait and you wait and you wait as the sun sinks and the moon begins to rise and Count Cradock does not show
Instead, a carriage pulls up and you see young Moira step out of the carriage and sort of trip her way onto the grass just a little bit. And she says, my apologies, everyone. My husband has determined that the young lieutenant should be the victor in this. He offers his apologies for the inconvenience, but he has many amends to make and many appointments for tonight. I fear I am not feeling well, so this explanation will have to do, but thank you for coming. She steps back into the carriage, and the horses carry her away. And Levi Lockhart scans, his eyes scan the crowd until they finally find you. This is not how this was supposed to go at all. So, all right, in full view of all of these young, wide-eyed soldiers, Edwina going to march over to Levi Lockhart with the family sword and her sister's favor. <sighs> Lieutenant, I I'm shocked that he chose not to show up. How dishonorable. He didn't even give you the satisfaction. Raven, I, I would never have guessed. Absolutely. Now... <sighs> We know all of us watching you are your your admirers. Me, the 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 admirer of my older sister, who knows she could never possibly become betrothed to a man who wasn't equal in her honor, and your own men who know you to be an honorable man. None of us would stand to see you not gain satisfaction from this craven man, this man who calls himself a lord, who comes into into our village and thinks he can behave however he likes. We can't let him embarrass you like this in front of your men, in front of everyone. You're absolutely right. You're absolutely right, Miss Cluett. And we can't, we can't allow him to just do, act the way he does around my uh, Miss Cluett. Absolutely, absolutely not. If you're to be wed to my sister, we expect you to defend the family. I should go up there right now. I agree. I recommend you take this sword. This sword is from our family crest. Now, it might be only enrobed in silver, but I assure you, it's good, strong steel underneath. Steel? Iron? Steel. <laughs> it's a strong sword. It's a strong sword, a practical sword, and it's the sword pulled from our very own Cluett family crest. Now, you would really, really be showing Lord Simon Cradock who, who he was meddling with and how strongly you feel about defending your betrothed's honor if you were to use her family sword in protecting her. And I'm sure any of these brave men would be happy to serve as your second and take up our sword and carry on should you be cut down. Actually, the entire, like, unit all, like, cheers boisterously, and they all start unsheathing their own swords. Oh They're God. like, yeah, we'll show him. Absolutely. Now I ask only of you gentlemen that if at all possible, the finishing blow should be dealt with our family sword. In the name of my sister, my eldest sister who I admire and who's watched over me like my own mother. Yeah, they all they all pass among each other because of course you have the, the master of gossip. So this all passes among them and they're all like, yeah, for the Cluets. <laughs> And about eight young men start off toward, like, following the carriage that was carrying Moira. Excellent. What is your plan? Ooh, well, I'm just... Yeah, gonna... what's your plan? <laughs> <laughs> I can't really be in two places at once. I'd really... 
I've spread myself a bit thin here. Um, Well, it's very important to me that somebody cuts off Simon's head with the family sword. So I think I'm going to have to follow them to oversee that. That's a little more important to me right now. It seems like the most efficient course of action. And I, I care more about just shutting this whole thing down than I do particularly about, you know, being the third in whatever my sisters have going on. So I'm sure they're fine. As you are among the crowd that has begun to pick up speed to see exactly what's going to happen at the Cradock house, you see a familiar face. Francis Pratt is in the crowd and not at the catacombs. (laughs) Well, that tracks. (laughs) Though he sort of like sees you over his shoulder and kind of like edges back into the crowd. I think you can deduce that without you watching him in the catacombs, he decided that perhaps that letter of recommendation would not be forthcoming. When you see him, he 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 kind of averts his gaze and uh-huh, moves sure back into the crowd. All right, so he's not close enough for me to scold him. You could go into the crowd and do do a scolding in the middle of the crowd if you like. Ooh, a public shaming, a public shaming, a but also a threat about my secret society. I don't know about that. I mean, my, about the org- <laughs> I mean. Uh, <laughs> about your stamp collecting club? <laughs> right. Our stamp collecting club of financiers internationally. <laughs> I'd like to go up to that man and grab him by the arm and pull him aside, <clears throat> sort of to the side of all the hubbub. I'm going to tuck my bosom away slightly so it doesn't draw so much attention. I know how powerful it is. <laughs> It is raining. <laughs> okay. Oh, so it's goodness. a glistening bosom. It's doubly distracting. Oh my gosh. <laughs> too powerful. Too powerful. If I rush over there, it'll be heaving as well. It's all too much. Oh, <laughs> mm. mm. he hates this. Uh, <laughs> I, there's nothing he can do. All right. Yes. Gotcha. Yeah. Uh, Miss Cluett, I expected to see you at the catacombs. Lord Francis, I expected to see you there as well. I was on my way after making sure that there were enough men present to defend my sister's honor. I can't defend my family's honor in multiple places at once. I thought you and I had an understanding. We did have an understanding that you were to be protected, and I can't protect you if I'm in a different place. That myself and my dear, sweet, similarly orphaned sisters, three of us ladies, were to be protected by your strong hand and a woman doesn't show up for, what, a spare 15 or so minutes? And you flee? I must say, I expected more from you. Well, there's no time like the present, Miss Cluett. It seems that your sister's honor has been adequately defended. Why don't we both away to the catacombs in aid of your sisters directly? There are many young men here who have sworn to protect my sister's honor, and I suppose without you at the catacombs, I have no idea what's befallen my two sisters at the moment. Let us make haste. Flee to the catacombs, I suppose. I'm not sure he... Please, but he will follow. I'm, I'm, I'm quick stepping. Let me tell you, <laughs> there's a lot going on. Fingers in many pies right now. Excellent, great. So, so Edwina will lead Lord Francis Pratt back to where he's supposed to be. Running <laughs> Pratt's over here. Ah, what an incredible time! 
Yeah, back to Hetty and Hattie. I had lunged forward mm-hmm. with my sword. And then you saw Carolyn's face. And that voice that wasn't Hetty's voice screams out, no, and knocks the um, blunt end of the sword handle into Hetty's stomach. So she's kind of like winded and falls backwards. Mm-hmm. Hattie has grabbed uh, her rosary and her Bible and sees this whole episode happening and finally just says, Agatha, we had an understanding. I know who it is, but you must assist. And then turns back to uh, Carolyn, I guess, and just begins to pray. Nomene patriot filiat spiritu sancti, amen, exurgiat deus in dispenituri mimici et eius. body is going to jerk up with almost like puppet-like motions rather than her having control over her own body. And she's trying to pull you back away from Carolyn. I feel like I should offer a resolve token to you for the attempt of this, but she's going to gaze directly into Carolyn's eyes and just be like, okay, baby, I left you once, but I'm not going to leave you again. You can do this. I did this. We have a body here for you. And she's going to try to see if she can get Carolyn to put her soul in Hattie's body. I offer this resolve token to Eugenio, so you can accept, accept with conditions, or politely decline. I will accept with the... (laughs) No, I don't think I'll put a condition on it, because I think we need to see how this goes. So I'll just accept it for now. (laughs) Carolyn will, like, begin to stalk toward the two of you. I am not entirely sure that she understands the idea of possession because vampires, as a rule, are soulless. Okay. I don't think that Agatha knows that. Yeah. And so I think that when she sees you restraining Hetty or Hattie, she will go for Hattie. Like, reach out with her claws to to grab at her and try and bite into her. No, 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 no. Don't ruin this one. (laughs) (laughs) And her mouth opens. Her jaw drops nice and wide like a serpent. No, no, no. We need... She doesn't understand. I will take the rosary and rip it... It probably has a clasp. Let's be honest. I'm ready for this. Uh, remove it from from around my neck and shove that in Caroline's open mouth. She tries to close her mouth around your fist and the rosary burns at her tongue and at her cheeks. And she screams. She howls in fury and pain and leaps onto the ce- ceiling to scurry away. What did you do? And I just kind of throw Harriet onto the ground. There is a sort of fire in Hattie's eyes as she turns back and begins to lift the rosary towards her sister. And then I sort of restrain myself and I say, Hetty, Agatha, we must leave this place. If there are more of them, we don't stand a chance. I've, I've found her after all of this we time. We will I come found back her. if we can, but there is no guarantee we can save her now. And there are larger problems. There is a woman who is still living and still needs us, Agatha. Like I care. Like I care for her. Like I care for any of your childish nonsense that I've had to put up with for 10 years. Sister, 
come back to me. Um, you see Hetty and Agatha sort of struggling, Hetty's body thrown on the ground, all of her limbs shaking. She's covered in sweat and quietly, with a face resigned and blank, picks up the fallen lantern and just starts walking back uh, the way that we had entered the catacombs. The two of you can hear a roar of feet against the stone. Something is coming and you'd better hurry. I think I'll, as we run, I'll grab the lantern from, from Hetty and use one of the silver flash papers if they, if they get, you know, within, well, I don't want to say close, let's say medium distance. <laughs> yeah, you get, you get that flash paper and you toss it in and it combusts in this bright silver light that even, even Edwina and Francis Pratt can see through the opening in this catacombs as the two of you rush out and it illuminates the walls and the ceiling and the floor and dozens of these screaming monsters that have begun running for you and dissolve into ash. Oh, that was effective. The door slams on the catacombs. Francis pushes his body against it, and you can hear the pounding of fists against the stone door as the two of you have reached salvation. It burns. Everything burns. Hetty, is that you? I think Hetty is going to be put away for a while now. And the first moment I get Harriet Cluett will be your last. And Henrietta pushes herself off the ground and just walks away into the rain. I beg your pardon? (laughs) Are we ready to go into upkeep? Yeah, I can't think of a better scene closer than I beg your pardon. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Do we need to take a a minute to kind (sighs) of... Take it out. I just wanted to be clear. I love your childish nonsense. Oh, oh, oh. All right. For upkeep, I think none of us have used our monologue tokens. So we can totally ask for monologues uh, before we refresh uh, our tokens in general. Well, I obviously have to ask for an Agatha monologue. (laughs) <laughs> I'm so sorry, but I She's do. Probably. Or, or alternatively, actually, alternatively, if I, I would also wouldn't mind a subdued heady mm. monologue from inside your own head. That might be kind of cool. away, heady. Yeah. So for Hetty and Agatha, I think inside her head as she walks off in the rain is just Agatha like screaming in her head mm-hmm. until it sort of breaks down into sobs. And there's a really quiet 13-year-old girl's voice in her head that just says, you know that they don't have souls. We've read about them before. They don't have them. They wouldn't have worked. You don't know that. You don't know that for sure. Stories are different than the supernatural. You don't... You don't know that. I left and she perished and I came back and she perished again. And there's sort of this inside uh, Agatha feels this sort of just comforting feeling like someone putting their hand on their shoulder. And she just says, 
destroying Hattie isn't going to bring, isn't going to bring Carolyn back. Destroying Count Simon will stop this from happening to anyone else ever again. Hmm. I kind of want to know what's going on in Levi Lockhart's head. Me too. <laughs> <laughs> Me too. Oh, poor boy. <laughs> oh my gosh. Oh, okay. Levi Lockhart with his full, is it called a full compliment? I want to say that because it sounds really dashing, but is that what that's called when you got all your boys? I'm going to say yes. His entourage. His entourage. Has, He's his about to go boys. crack open a cold one. That's right. There he is. <laughs> Yikes. Yes. So, <laughs> so Levi and his boys, his complement of, of dashing young men, all determined to go and say and protect his lady's honor. Uh, I think Levi's on an adrenaline high like he has never known in his life. And he is prone to adrenaline highs when swept up in romantic notions, for sure. He's, he's really high-spirited. So Levi is saying to himself... <laughs> This is just like in all the novels I've read. It's, it's finally my turn. I, I have a lady worthy of defending. I have the means to defend her. I have the poetry of using her own blade and her, her dashing and beautiful young sister has come to me to beg me to protect the elder sister's honor. This is everything I've read about. I'm about to be so noble. Her perfections have been cool and reserved until this moment, but this may even earn me a kiss. I dare to hope it. I shan't be defeated. My blade will strike true. And I'll behead the man if I must. I'll strike him with a dramatic strike and it'll be over like that. And if I fall on the fighting field, I know all my men have my back. I know all my men will carry on where I've failed. And my darling will be protected. And maybe they'll write it on my gravestone. I'm going to kill that boy. Yay. <laughs> on the other hand, kill I don't think I want that marrying into our family. So it's okay. <laughs> but he's so romantical. <laughs> well, mm-hmm. we'll kill him. Did. <laughs> hey, I hope you do. He's, he's, he's ripe. He's ready. Ripperoni jabroni. I've, I've never been handed such a delicious death flag. <laughs> you know to be fair i think he's ready for it too like he's genuinely this is like, my moment seems to be yeah. <laughs> good Ooh, is blood. All right. friday do you want to use your monologue token on anything before we we finish up keep i do for sure there's just so many juicy options yeah. there's so many juicy options okay so ooh, i'm gonna use mine on Hattie. I'm going to use mine on Hattie. Okay. <laughs> I always have to check your vowels. Today is the first session that I haven't had to check every single time I say either of our names. Yep. So, yep. <laughs> so it's working. So it's working. We did Eventually. well. Um, so, yes, Hattie, I want a monologue. That was a dramatic end. Hattie is angry. Foolish. Foolish and prideful and careless, Mother Superior told you that allowing that thing to remain for this long would make it that much more difficult, would make it that much more willful. But you were so certain that you could handle anything, that she would be safe. (sighs) Nothing to be done. Our path is clear before us now. Hetty and Agatha will help us, or they won't. 
once this clear and present danger is taken care of, I will get my sister back. I love telling this story with you guys. Me too. Totally. Me too. Thank you for listening to episode three of Haunting of Good Society, a Behold Her Studio miniseries brought to you by Story Brewers Roleplaying, the makers of Good Society, and Friday Afternoon Tea, blender of evocative teas for thirsty nerds. And edited by Rudy Basso. If you want to help make Behold Her podcast and productions like this happen, head to patreon.com slash beholdher to pledge your support and gain instant access to the session zero of this very game. All our dastardly plots and darkest secrets can be yours. Till next time.